You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Once again, for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247Sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Go ahead and get those game weekend treats secured. In fact, while you're at it, go ahead and take care of those Thanksgiving week treats while you're at it. And also, you know, if you're having to do the ordering, let's say for your office, for your company, when it comes to Christmas gifts, nothing better you can give than Peterbrook chocolate. And you can do that at 205-752-0211. Give them a call. Get that Christmas order in today. Joined by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute move of Sports Talk Radio. What about it, Jacob? How are you doing on this Thursday morning? Doing pretty good. Excited to see that uh, Kyra Lewis is a officially a New Orleans Pelican. I might have to take up on that t-shirt that I promised, but we'll see. <laughs> but all things considered, I, doing well. I was going to ask you, do you have the t-shirt? Have you already secured it? Have you gone to pelicans.com or nba.com and gone ahead and got that number two? I got to check and see. Do the Pelicans already have a number two? Not sure. Yeah, uh, Lonzo Ball. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. That one might be tough to, to maybe get away from Lonzo, yeah. especially when you're talking about eating away at Lonzo's minutes while you're at it. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> that probably wouldn't be all that well received. But, yeah, really excited for Kyra Lewis last night. It was sort of anticipated, especially on the heels of all the talk about Drew Holiday being traded to the Milwaukee Bucks and certainly a need there on the basketball. And there he goes, Kyra Lewis, 19 years old, off to New Orleans, Louisiana. Not bad. Zion Williamson down there, Brandon Ingram down there, the aforementioned Alonzo Ball, my guy J.J. Redick. You got a lot of Duke down there. I don't know if you've noticed, but you got a lot of Duke on the – on the current roster, anyway. We'll see. We'll see if that changes as we get into the uh, days and weeks leading up to uh, the upcoming season. But you got Brandon Ingram, former Dukey down there. Zion, obviously. Uh, another one and done from Duke. J.J. Redick. Jalil Okafor, 
a former Dookie down there as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on this Thursday, you are more than welcome to do so. Uh, You also have some Alabama basketball-related news today as the coaches have released their preseason all-SEC teams. John Petty, the senior guard for the Alabama Crimson Tide, a first-teamer once again this time, according to SEC coaches. And fellow senior, Herb Jones, a second-team selection. So that just uh, that continues to ramp up your anticipation if you're an Alabama fan for this upcoming basketball season, which, as we know, gets underway next Wednesday night right here in Tuscaloosa. Fingers crossed, toes crossed, no positive tests, no contact tracing for either Alabama or Jacksonville State that we're going to have some basketball at Coleman Coliseum next Wednesday night. But, uh, yeah getting ready for it. And I thought the draft was interesting last night, just in terms of representation, you know, with how it sort of went down when the uh, SEC was factored into things. Had fun with a tweet last night. and pointed out that Alabama had more lottery picks last night than Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas combined. That's a T-shirt you ought to get printed up because that doesn't happen very often. But two out of the last three years – You've seen Alabama with lottery picks, so uh, maybe this is going to be a trend for the foreseeable future. Nate Oates is recruiting at a level where it could be sustainable on, in some form or fashion. You know, it'll be interesting next year. Does John Petty play his way into a first-round pick? Is Herb Jones possibly a first-rounder a year from now? Does Josh Primo come in here and blow the doors off the SEC and ends up being a one-and-done? I mean, at least there's possibilities that you can consider after this desert of non-draft picks that we've seen from Alabama men's basketball. I mean, you had to go back before Colin Sexton just to find a draft pick of any kind. You had to go back to 2008. Yeah, there's only two rounds in the draft, but you didn't have a second-round pick from 2009 through 2017. You know, it had been a while. So uh, good to see this recent run. And again, you think at least that it's potentially sustainable moving forward. A lot of college football to talk about on the program today as well. We've got some NFL action tonight as well. The makeup game, the make good game from Monday night. You know, after the NFL gave us Minnesota and Chicago on Monday night, uh, it's a make good from the NFL because they're giving us Arizona and Seattle for our Thursday night NFL. We'll take that. We'll take some Kyler Murray, some Russell Wilson. That's a big game out in the NFC West. Jacob, is the NFC West, is it sort of without question, um, the best division in the NFL right now? The AFC West, maybe, I guess, with the Chiefs. The Broncos are so bad, but you've got an NFC West. I mean, you've got the... You've got the Seahawks. You've got the Cardinals now that are emerging. You've got the Rams. I mean, you've got a Super Bowl team from a year ago in the 49ers. I guess it's the last place team in the NFC West right now. Got to be the best division in football, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you take into consideration that the reason the 49ers are so bad is because all of their best players are the ones that are hurt or catching COVID at the wrong times. Yeah, yeah I think without a doubt that, that there's no there's no division that comes close. I mean, maybe the NFC South on its best day, but that would be stretching it. 
the South, they, uh, the NFC South, you just you, you like the quarterbacks, obviously, um, for the most part. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater dealing with an injury again there in Carolina. Uh, thankfully, not nearly as severe as that previous knee injury that was thought to be at the time career ending up there in Minnesota. But you wonder about Drew Brees now. How about that for an injury? Five fractured ribs and a collapsed young lung at his age. No you thanks. Ah. You know, at some point, the chocolate lady might jump in, even with the money being as good as it is, all right? And even with the Breeze. Breeze got a few kids, too, doesn't he? I mean, I don't think Drew Breeze is like Phillip Rivers when it comes to having essentially his own football team. You know, not that type of brood, but quite a few. I think the Breeze, they're doing pretty good with the kids. But, man, you start having multiple fractured ribs and a collapsed lung. I mean, that's some, like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Any Given Sunday. That's some that's some stuff that got uh, Steeman Willie Beeman on the field down there in Miami. Uh, Jamie Foxx, of course, playing that role years ago. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to check in with us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll get into some more Alabama-Kentucky. We inch closer to the Wildcats and the Crimson Tide coming up here in just a matter of... Gosh, what are we, 53 hours away? Yeah, 53, I believe it is. Uh, Alabama, Kentucky, we'll make some predictions for that game tomorrow. We typically do that on Fridays. We've given you some matchups. Interesting weekend around the Southeastern Conference. Uh, You've got some picks from Rusty that we're going to get to. It is a Thursday, so Rusty coming off a collar. Rusty took the collar last week. At 0-3, he'll try to write things. Talk about make goods. Rusty owes his fan base uh, some of that after the 0-3 last week. He'll look to get it going this weekend. You know, that uh, Arkansas-LSU game has swung wildly, apparently, out in Vegas. You had Arkansas as a slight favorite early in the week. And then I checked this morning, and LSU has swung to a a 2.5-point fave now on the road. So, Rusty... He likes those home home hogs with teeth. He's jumped on that Arkansas bandwagon in the past when it comes to Yes, yes, that worked out pretty good for you this morning. Rusty was, before that, Rusty was looking at, like, Rutgers getting 10.5 at home with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan uh, coming to town there in New Jersey. But uh, he has decided that of his four picks this week, he will take Arkansas getting the two and a half. You know, that's going to be an interesting outcome. I mean, if Arkansas beats LSU, shouldn't there be more of an emphasis on Alabama playing Arkansas than LSU? You know, we talk so much about maybe manipulating that date with Arkansas to make this LSU game come off. If Arkansas beats LSU on Saturday, do you really do you really need to play LSU more Do you need to make Arkansas jump through hoops, or do you need to jump through hoops in general to make Alabama-LSU come off when it's really Alabama-Arkansas that you should play? If we're talking about the competitive sake of things, yeah, I know CBS, I know the television networks, they want Alabama-LSU played if both of them are 0-8, you know? I get that, but from a competitive standpoint, wouldn't Arkansas be more the qualifying game for Alabama? If you're in a situation where you're not even sure you're going to get 10 games in, I would think Arkansas would move ahead of LSU 
on the pecking order of games that need to be played here down the stretch. Uh, again, in the SEC, we know we've lost Ole Miss, Texas A&M. That's a, that's a two-game losing streak for the, uh, CBS now in that 230 spot. Uh, and we'll get into some of the Mac Jones talk for this week as well. I don't know if you've seen it this morning, but Chris Hummer, who we feature here quite regularly on Southern Fried Sports, the national college football writer for 247sports.com, the college football professor, Chris Hummer, really good feature on Mac Jones and the events that led up to Mac decommitting, uh, really the, 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 follows the timeline of Mac Jones becoming a quarterback of interest and then the recruiting process. But Chris Hummer with an outstanding long-form piece this morning at 247sports.com. I retweeted it earlier today, but if you didn't see that, go to 247sports.com. I know our guy Jacob Harrison as well did a deep dive on sort of the fallout of Mac Jones uh, eschewing Kentucky, going to Alabama as the second quarterback in that 2017 class with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and we also, I went into the vault on SoundCloud, if you haven't done it before, if there's any old interviews, anything, if you just want to do Pops Palooza, you just want to do Pops for like 24 straight hours, you can go into SoundCloud.com, search SFS, search Pops, search whatever, any of the shows here on Tide 100.9, and you can go into, you know, four or five years deep, of interviews, and that's what I did with Mac Jones. I wanted to see if we still had the interview of Mac Jones from June in 2016, and we've got it. And so coming up around the bottom of the hour, what we'll do today, we'll go to the SFS vault, and uh, we'll give that interview a, a listen again. We'll, we'll hear it again from Mac Jones back in uh, real time as he was making that switch from Kentucky to Alabama and sort of the things that went into it. And I've talked about it here on the show in the past. We have a common thread in that we have ties to the bowl school there in Jacksonville, Florida, strong ties to the late great head coach at the bowl school and Corky Rogers, the all-time winningest high school coach in state of Florida history. And so it was a fun conversation nearly four and a half years ago now. Crazy. You think about it like that. How in the heck have they let us stay on the air this long? Four and a half years they've let us do this show. Uh, but we'll we'll uh, we'll go to the vault, and we'll hear from Mac Jones coming up around the bottom of the hour. For now, though, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more Southern Fried Sports on a Thursday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. Fantastic fall weather today with blue sky and sunshine, the high 68. Clear tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 46. Then a warming trend tomorrow and Saturday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 71, Saturday's high 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. You're listening to Tide 100.9. Are you in the holiday spirit? Check out Tuscaloosa's Home for the Holidays on Nick 97.5. All Christmas songs, 
Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Man, I'll tell you what, Jacob, people like that dessert talk we had yesterday for Thanksgiving. They were all over that. Ton of pecan pie, ton of pumpkin pie. Um, saw some lemon meringue. Key Lime, a lot of pie fans, you know. We like the pie. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. But um, probably not as big on it as some folks. I like the peanut butter pie. I like a good buttermilk pie, too. You want to talk about something that's southern, buttermilk pie. That'll knock your socks off from time to time as well. Getting into some college football talk as we can continue to move through a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. And I know, look. I've talked up this Kentucky offense and this Kentucky run game this week with what we've seen from Ole Miss in the past, a running quarterback, a zone read attack in the run game, and multiple backs that are capable for Kentucky of getting the job done. Look, I'm not trying to turn this Kentucky offense into Nebraska 19 19- 95 or anything. Lawrence Phillips, Tommy Frazier, you old enough to remember that one? Oof. That was a run game for all time. Remember that national championship game that season? Florida went in there with Danny Werfel and throwing the ball around and scoring all these points and Riddell Anthony and Ike Hilliard, Freddie Taylor at the running back position and Nebraska out in Tempe, Arizona, just absolutely took apart the Florida Gators. I mean, it was just a clinic on blocking and tackling. I'm not trying to make this Kentucky offense that. I understand it. Look, it, But it's, it's the approach that Kentucky takes. And Kentucky does have some nice pieces at some areas where you look to highlight that type of run game. But what about when Alabama's got the ball? You know, I'm not buying as much. Statistically, I can buy Kentucky ranking second in the SEC in rushing offense. Now, when it comes to the Kentucky defense and Kentucky ranking first in the league uh, in pass defense right now, I kind of look at that like I look at Mississippi State from October the 31st. I mean, we got to talk about it in terms, you know, it's November the 19th. We got to talk about Alabama's game, last game in terms of last month. That's how long it's been. But Mississippi State was very much the same way coming in here with the SEC's top pass defense. And I will say this, for Mississippi State, Alabama threw for fewer than 300 yards, you know, didn't average more than 10 yards per pass attempt, which it had done pretty much every game since the season opener against Missouri. So there were some positives for Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State's defense, in terms of how it came in here statistically ranked, was completely uh, 
uh, discredited. But Alabama still did what Alabama does for the most part in the passing game. Primarily, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith had a field day uh, against the Bulldogs. And so now here comes Kentucky this time around as the SEC's top pass defense. And, uh, you know, I I still think it's going to be similar to what we saw against Mississippi State from that standpoint. Uh, Alabama, because of still the multitude of options that you have to defend. And when I talk about options, people think about, well, wide receivers, running backs. You've got to defend. You've got to plan for that offensive line. You can say, well, you got to plan for Najee Harris. Well, as much as anything, you got to have people up there to deal with that offensive line. You know, Najee's a great back, no denying that. But just to give yourself a chance at the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage, you know, you, you, if Alabama goes three wide receiver set and you try to play a straight up nickel, five defensive back look against that. You know, Najee's going to kill you. That offensive line's just going to move people out of there. Um, but when you look at Najee coming up this weekend and Brian Robinson, and you also have some questions, obviously, now from a depth perspective with Trey Sanders out. And do you see Jace McClellan? Do you see Roydell Williams in roles other than mop-up time? Are there legitimate carries that are going to be made available to the third guy? Because that was starting to happen with Trey Sanders. Because we saw Trey Sanders in the first half of the Mississippi State game. So that was that was in play for that third back with Trey Sanders as we move to the latter stages of the season. Not so sure that'll be the case this week. Maybe it will. Maybe you'll see Jace McClellan in there you know, as a legitimate game plan, on the script, rotational guy as early as this week. I suspect it'll continue to be a lot of Najee. Najee in his last four games averaging 24 carries, averaging 28 touches a game in those last four games. Brian Robinson nicked up a little bit against Mississippi State. These two weeks should have helped him from that perspective. And that continues to be the silver lining for Alabama, although you heard from Nick Saban last night in relation to LeBron Ray, the fourth-year defensive end, it doesn't sound as if LeBron is to that point where you're going to go into Saturday's game thinking, yeah, we're going to see him. We're going to see number 18 a good bit on that defensive line. But for guys like Brian Robinson, guys like Deontay Brown on the offensive line, this has to have been a good thing. So you consider that one-two punch in Kentucky, a couple of inside linebackers, uh, Jamin Davis is a guy to keep an eye on. He's a really good-looking prospect, 6'4", 234 pounds. And uh, he's coming off a career-high 15 tackles against Vanderbilt last Saturday. So should be some interesting matchups there between the Alabama running backs and the Kentucky linebackers. Not quite sure for Kentucky at weak side if it'll be Marquez Bembry. He did start against Vanderbilt last week. Prior to that, it had been DeAndre Square. Square looked to me in the game against Georgia to be lost at times, including on a throwback to James Cook that went for 46 yards in that matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs. So we'll see how that plays out. But um, Najee still, as we talked about last week with Najee and Devontae Smith, you really want to see these guys 
get maximum opportunities to play as many games as they possibly can because they're very much, very much in the mix for some big time individual honors, not just in terms of the award circuit, you know, the Oak Walker, uh, Bolitnikoff, when you're talking about the running back and, and wide receiver positions, but all time marks at Alabama. You know, for Devontae, he's already pretty much there as far as career touchdown receptions go. But can he get there as far as receiving yards and receptions? He has a shot at Amari Cooper in both those areas, but he needs as many games as he can get. Same thing for Najee Harris, where Derrick Henry is concerned. He is exactly, Najee is exactly 500 yards behind Derrick Henry for that top spot on the all-time Alabama rushing list. And so you also look at rushing touchdowns. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, 42 career rushing touchdowns. Najee at uh, eight back at 34. You know, if Najee and Devontae can get these four games before you get to the SEC championship game, the SEC championship game, then you possibly get one or two more. Once you look at the college football playoff, uh, even if it ends up just being a, a group of six type bowl, um, New Year's six bowl, uh, you know, you start talking about six games at least. And when you start doing the numbers on what Najee needs, uh, if he averages what he's averaging right now in terms of rushing touchdowns and rushing yards, he's going to get there in both those areas. Um, similar to Devontae Smith. Devontae, you look at and you think, man, those 228 receptions that Amari had for his career, considering that right now Devontae is 56 catches back of Amari for career receptions. Devontae can still get there, though, because in three of his last four games, four of his last five, I think it's three of his last four, he's had double-digit reception games. So there's a possibility for him to get there when you look at receptions as well. Going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we're going to go into the vault, the SFS vault from 2016. We're going to talk to a then senior-to-be in high school, Mac Jones, now a redshirt junior Heisman Trophy candidate for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll do that and more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Thursday, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this. For Pops, Rusty, the chocolate lady over at Peterbrook Chocolatier, and the rest of the crew at Southern Fried Sports, Travis Ryer wishing you and yours a happy holiday season, and here's to a much improved 2021.
back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Side 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning uh, from 11 a.m. until noon. It's been that way since way back in 2016. And based on the timing of this Mac Jones interview that we're going to replay for you now, got to be in the very early stages of Southern Fried Sports. Your host certainly sounded like it by the way, and listening to this again. But uh, the purpose of this, kind of take us back and help us get an understanding of Mac Jones, who he was then, who he's become now, and just have some fun with it as we get ready for Alabama, Kentucky on Saturday. Here's Mac Jones and yours truly from four and a half years ago. Let it rock, Jacob. 2017 quarterback commitment, Mac Jones from Jacksonville, Florida, the Bowl School specifically, right there on the banks of the beautiful St. John's River. Mac is one Jacksonvillian to another. Welcome to the program. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Mac, just wanted to get you on. It's It seems to me, at least, or those of us on the outside, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind for you. Now, uh, you go back to sort of the early part of the year, and you had some offers. You were committed to Kentucky. But it seems as if the action really started to pick up uh, around April and May. And uh, is that sort of when Alabama's interest in you specifically cranked up, Mac? Or or, or had they been in touch and, and shown that interest prior to that? Yeah, I mean, the last couple of months obviously have been pretty crazy. So I've talked to almost, you know, every FBS school, um, at least at spring practice or on the phone or Twitter, however those people do it. But, um, uh, I mean, Alabama kind of reached out to me when, you know, my coach at Kentucky kind of got fired. So I, I didn't really know if I was going to stick with them or not. So I think Alabama kind of realized that um, they wanted to make sure I was in a good position for myself. So that's when they started reaching out to me. And um, we just built the relationship nice and slow and, they got to come out and see me during spring practice and stuff. So I think that's what it's been from. Mac, who are the primary recruiter or recruiters for Alabama for you during this process? Is it, has it been just an area guy? Has Lane Kiffin been very involved? Coach Saban? It seems as if it's a really a collective effort around here. Yes, it was pretty collective. Um, I was initially in contact with uh, Coach Key. Um, He was kind of our area recruiter and he's, been really nice to my family and I, and he's the one that kind of got me on campus. And then Coach Saban actually spent a lot of time with us too, so um, that was good to you know be able to have that one-on-one time with him. And then obviously Coach Kiffin uh, came by the school a couple times, and um, we talk on the phone a lot too. So um, I'd say it's pretty active by all three of them really. And obviously, whenever I went on my visit, uh, I got to talk to some of the other position coaches and and get to meet uh, some new guys. What were your impressions of that visit? Was it your first time here? Had you been here before? You know, how did it kind of stack up compared to the places maybe that you had been beforehand? Um, I'd been to Alabama like one time before, I think, with my family. And I just really, really liked it. The first time I went, I was like, wow. Obviously, I knew I was kind of expecting, you know, what I thought of it to be um, fulfilled, but Really, just compared to other schools, I just thought that people um, that kind of are behind the scenes, uh, all the way from like the janitors to 
you know, just some people that help out around the uh, facility and stuff. Those people were just really nice to me. So um, I just felt a click there. And uh, compared to other schools, obviously the facilities just blow people away. Um, the coaches obviously are top of the line too. So um, I just felt like it was a great fit. You know, I know the system you come from. I, I've been around Coach Rogers, especially in the 90s. Uh, younger brother played your position for the man, the legend himself, Corky Rogers. And I can tell you from that experience, it's a very demanding job. Corky Rogers, in my opinion, the best high school football coach in the country. I don't think I don't think there is another guy no at doubt. this level. Talk about that a little bit, though. You play in a program that if people could go down the San Jose Boulevard in Jacksonville, Florida, and just go to a summer workout, did you guys get after it this morning, I'm guessing, already? <laughs> yes, sir. We, we woke up. Uh, I woke about like 6.30 and drove up to the field, and we had summer workouts at 7.30 to about 10. So we we got after it, and Coach Rogers, he actually just went on vacation. So he was here today, but he, <laughs> yeah, he rarely misses, so... You know, he's, he's there every single day the whole year, so I, I feel like a week should be uh, good for him to kind of take that time off. But <laughs> Was Coach, Bar- was Coach um, Barrett in there? I mean, what about Coach Belger? Yes, were they in there? Yes, sir. They were all there, and uh, Coach Barrett, he loves me, and he always watches me work out. So he's kind of like – I kind of work with him individually with my partner, so <laughs> he has his own workout plan for me. So um, I'm really close with Coach Barrett, and Coach Belger kind of ran the whole deal today, so – it was it was interesting. <laughs> Those guys, I'm just telling you, they and they've been together for over 20 years now. Gosh, I want right. to say what 26 years 30. going on. Yeah, almost, almost 30. Yeah, almost 30 probably. And and I don't ever envision them not being together in some form or fashion, especially coaching right. football. It's what it's who they are, and it's right. really something that's just transferred to the players year in and year right. out. It the the faces as as you've seen. Matt, they come and they go, and there's been right. some yeah. some great great players go through there, but the program sustains whether the talent level is at an optimum level or maybe it's not to that level that they're accustomed to. But in terms of preparing you for the next level, I mean, it has to you you have to feel really good about the track you're on, given where you're coming from, not just athletically yeah, but yeah. academically as well. Yeah, no doubt, I agree with that. I mean. Coach Rogers has done a great job with his staff, and I don't think any like high school or even college has a more stable staff than him. It, I seem like, I mean, obviously the facts are there. They've been together, so there's not much moving around. We might get one or two new coaches a year. But I think that like translates to the bond we have as players. I mean, we all feel comfortable with our coaches, and um, we know that Like a lot of people ask me why I didn't transfer and stuff and all this because Bulls doesn't throw the ball or do this. But and you had to I wait your like, turn too, right? Right, exactly. I just figured it's been this way and it works. So if I wait my turn, things will happen and it'll all it'll all work out. So I actually like started. I think I was the like sixth or seventh string quarterback as a freshman, <laughs> and then um, like five people quit. And then by my sophomore year, I was like starting a few games. So. It was pretty interesting, uh, the whole journey part there, but I think they do. the coaches do an awesome job preparing us both academically, making sure we're making the good grades, and athletically by just making sure we work hard and stay humble. Now, in terms of system fit, the Corky Rogers system I remember was very much wing T oriented. Now, there were some adjustments made, some shotgun stuff put in. 
has it evolved even more, Mac, in terms of looking at preparing you for the next level? I know maybe people look at your numbers and see 2,100 yards, whatever it was last year. But you got to understand, again, this is at its basis a wing T system. But has it evolved under Coach Rogers to be more pro in some ways? Yes, I, I think it has. I mean, Coach Rogers um, has to – he realized that he has to kind of change some things. And actually, when I started to take over the job, I feel like we threw the ball a lot more, but um, he always makes sure that I'm protected and stuff. So if we can't throw the ball because there's too much pressure, um, he'll make sure that we run the ball a lot. So he just does whatever's best for him and whatever works, really. So I don't really care if we run the ball 100 times a game, and if we win, that's fine with me. So <laughs> I could care less about my stats. But another thing is, like, I mean, we beat teams in the first quarter 40-0, so I'm already out right. of the game. I think four games this year I was I only played half the game. So, I mean, you don't really get the stat boost or whatever people always look for. But Right, that's um, true. I mean, as long as we win, it's all good. Now, is 51 trap still the first play of every game? Is that <laughs> is that going to be the play call? Yes, sir. I mean, we run that every practice, every game. So That's a running joke. Uh, yeah, that's a running joke <laughs> down there, except it's not a joke. It's reality. 50 trap yeah, out yeah. of that wing tee, 51 trap is pretty much that's the good. bread and butter. Exactly. If you can get that uh, down lineman kind of surprised by that uh, trap block, I mean, it's gone. <laughs> now, looking at your class specifically, what are you doing to try to bolster this group, this next uh, recruiting hall for Alabama? you actively working some guys like uh, a certain running back or some others as well? Um, I went to this, like, rival camp deal or whatever in Atlanta, and, I mean, there was a lot of uh, good players that Alabama's recruiting, so... I got to meet them and talk to them. But and certain people, I mean, there's some receivers like Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, um, some, some of those names. Uh, and then, I mean, I just want to make sure that we all stick together. I mean, Dodgy's obviously awesome running back. Try and keep him. Um, but really just whoever the coaches want and just try and keep get them on board or keep the guys that we already have because I feel like, I mean, we have a good class even right now. If we finish with this, it'd be fine. But I know we're trying to get, you know, a full class. So we'll see uh, what they have in store. Now, Mac, this is shaping up to be a two-quarterback class. Has that been pretty much the message that's been relayed to you all along, that Alabama's taken two quarterbacks in this class? And and how much did that sort of factor into your decision ultimately to, to switch your commitment from Kentucky? Or, uh, you know, how much did that factor into things? Um, I mean, I learned how to wait my turn at Bulls, so I know things are, it's a tight ship at Alabama, just like Bulls, so, I mean, thinking about the whole deal with the two quarterbacks and all the competition, I think it will just make me better, not only as a player, but as a person, I mean, if I don't play until my senior year, if I don't ever play, it'll be fine, because I've made great friends, and I've been a part of a great team, so, that really didn't factor into it, obviously, I'm going to go in there and compete, and if I lose, the job, I'm going to keep competing, and I'm not going to stop competing until I leave. So, I mean, that wasn't really too big of a factor, but, um, I mean, obviously we were all on the same page as regards to there being two quarterbacks in the class, so I don't think there was any confusion. Well, Mac, we certainly appreciate you taking time to join us here on Southern Fried Sports on Tide 99.1 FM and wishing nothing but the best of luck in your upcoming senior year. I know Coach Rogers, Coach Belger, and the rest of those guys – We'll have y'all right in the mix of it one more time down in the state of Florida. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. There he was, Mac Jones. Man, you talk about some foreshadowing. How about some of those comments? Talking about selflessness, patience, persistence. All of those things have shown up huge for Mac Jones. Said if he had to wait till his senior year, he would wait. And if he didn't play at all, he still felt like the environment, the culture that he was walking into was going to make it a positive experience. Well, Mac, uh, Mac's played a little football, as we've seen over the last year and a half for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Threw some names at you, too, during the recruiting process at the time. A couple of receivers that he mentioned. How about Henry Ruggs III and Devontae Smith that he was working on, along with Najee Harris? Just a little fun. Go back. Talk about his recruitment. Brent Key, the area recruiter for Northeast Florida now, an assistant coach at Georgia Tech. Had Lane Kiffin involved in that as well. Now the head coach at Ole Miss. Nick Saban, obviously, always going to be a part of those uh, a part of those proceedings. Mention the facilities. Think about the facilities. If Mac thought the facilities were something in 2016 at Alabama, think about how much they've changed just in the – Four-plus years, he's been here, nearly five now. He was somewhat of an early enrollee. He wasn't able to enroll in January. It was sort of a February uh, entrance that he made into the program, as I recall. But, I mean, now you've got a sports science center you just opened over there off Bryant, <laughs> Bryant Drive. So even though it sounds like it's only been four years since that interview took place, think about everything that's happened. And when he talks about bowls and the readiness that it gave him to walk into this situation because he had to wait his turn. Guy, as he said, was sixth or seventh string when he first showed up to work out with the varsity football team at Bowles. Uh, I can tell you this, too, about Bowles in the past. Tim Tebow uh, considered the Bowles school. Tim Tebow, of course, a Jacksonville area native. But with Corky Rogers there at the time, Corky was going to do what Corky does on offense. Corky wasn't going to change his offense to four wide receiver shotgun and it become the Tim Tebow show. If Tim Tebow wanted to go to bowls and play within the Corky Rogers program, he would have been extremely welcomed. But uh, it, it hadn't been for everybody over there. But uh, it's a lot of fun hearing from uh, – Mac, as he gets ready to take on the Kentucky Wildcats with his Alabama teammates on Saturday afternoon. Going to head to a break and we come back. More of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Fantastic fall weather today with blue sky and sunshine behind 68. Clear tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 46. Then a warming trend tomorrow and Saturday. The sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 71. Saturday's high, 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
particular reason just felt like we all could use a little driving and crying on this Thursday to help get us through another week as we get ready for the Thanksgiving holiday. Casa de Ryer has reached just about full occupancy when it comes to the empty nest. They're reassembling. They're all coming back. That's right. The oldest. I did pick him up from the uh, airport over in the ham yesterday afternoon. Got him back from Montana for an extended stay. The oldest daughter, the youngest daughter. The youngest daughter actually had the option at UA to stay in the dorm through next weekend. I don't know if she'll do that or not. But um, you talk about the COVID stuff. It's going to be all remote learning, I guess, starting next week at UA. And then uh, the dorms will empty out on campus uh, after this up next week, the short week going into the holiday for Thanksgiving. So uh, perhaps that'll help from some of the uh, COVID-19 perspective when you talk about Alabama football and certainly with Alabama men's and women's basketball cranking up, you're going to have gymnastics uh, out there on the the rapidly approaching horizon. So uh, a lot to consider. Again, really enjoyed going back into the SFS vault and giving another listen to that Mac Jones interview from back in June of 2016. You know, he is also interesting. He talked about at the end of the interview there, the two quarterback approach to that 2017 class. And he said he felt like, being in that class could only help make him better. And I would say that absolutely proved to be true as well. And not that Mac hasn't put in exceedingly hard work. And as much as anything, physically, he needed the time. You know, he was a guy at probably 175, 180 or so there as a senior in high school, needed to get up over 200 pounds. He has obviously done that in nearly five years in the program. But, um, you know, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, as the primary quarterback signee in that class, he not only helped make Mac Jones better, he helped make Jalen Hurts better. It's hard not to get better around a prolific guy, a naturally gifted guy, uh, who's only getting better while you're there, uh, like Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I just... You, know, you, 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 you give credit to the work by the coaching staff and to the individuals who put in the effort and the time because we know both, both Jalen and Mac, not afraid of hard work at all. But when day in and day out, you're next to a guy like Tua who can do what he can do, throwing the football, you better get better. You better improve. It could be embarrassing for you. And, uh, I don't think you can you can value that enough, having a guy right there in the middle of those two guys uh, that kind of leads the way. Hey, Rusty has got those other picks for you, by the way, this week. We need to go ahead and get those in. He told you – we told you earlier in the program, Rusty now, he likes uh, Arkansas that is now getting the points. Arkansas, he likes the home hogs with teeth. So he likes the two-and-a-half in Arkansas on Searity. He likes Utah. Utah finally going to open its season. The Utes at home was supposed to travel to UCLA last weekend, remember? But then the Utes were not able to make the trip 
Instead, UCLA played Cal sort of at the last minute there on Sunday at the Rose Bowl. But Utah hosting Southern California, the Cardiac Trojans, these first couple of games for Clay Helton's team. He uh, Rusty likes the Utes. You're going to see Jake Bentley, a quarterback for the Utes, the former South Carolina quarterback? Maybe. He likes the Utes plus three regardless at home. Uh, Rice Eccles Stadium there in Salt Lake City. Oregon State at home getting three and a half against a Cal team that was hammered by UCLA last Sunday. He likes the Beavers, even at 0-2. He likes the homestanding Beavers out there uh, in Corvallis getting the three and a half against Cal. And our Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii. Almost an insulting at Aloha Stadium. Hawaii getting 14 at home against Boise State. Boise State, of course, traditionally a very strong group of five program. We're humbled a pretty good bit here recently by BYU, but Hawaii getting 14 at home in your late night special. You're double up to catch up game on Saturday night. Rusty likes Hawaii plus 14. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. The lunch whistle on this Thursday brought to you by Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Outstanding pizza, nightly specials, and that includes both uh, the bar, uh, full bar there, and also the pizzas, appetizer specials as well. Great television management there at Heat Pizza Bar. So if you go there tonight, you don't have to wonder if the Cardinals and the Seahawks is going to be on the big screens at Heat Pizza Bar. They're going to be on. They're going to take great care of you there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Thanks to Jacob Harrison once again for producing the show. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. Okay.